Spring is in the air at Littleton Coin Company, and we want to help you brighten your collection. Visit us at littletoncoin.com all month long to enjoy 15% off your purchase. With a wide selection of coins, paper money, supplies, and more, Littleton Coin Company has something for every collector's taste. Use promo code SPRING at littletoncoin.com for 15% off your purchase all month long. Restrictions apply. Littleton Coin Company. Serving collectors since 1945. Thanks to Sana Skin Studio for supporting the No Podcast. Sana is a skin studio that is shifting the relationship with your skin and your products through goal-driven facials, real guidance, and clean skincare. Stay tuned for our promo code so you can receive $25 off of your first facial at Sana Skin Studio. Welcome to the No Podcast with me, Nikki Spo. What is up, everyone? You are listening to The No Podcast, and I am your hostess, Nikki Spo. The No is not about knowing everything. It's about knowing ourselves, living our truth, and stepping courageously into our deepest sense of inner knowing with confidence and humility, because yes, they can coexist, grace, love, and a sense of abundance. I love sharing this journey with you all, so keep coming back, and don't forget to subscribe to the show today, if you haven't already, on Apple Podcasts or Spotify or wherever you listen to your pods. I'm really excited for today's guest, Melody Godfred. You'll most likely recognize her IG, at Fred and Far, where she leads a self-love movement and helps people all over the world come home to themselves through her books, Self-Love Poetry for Thinkers and Feelers, The Shift, Poetry for a New Perspective, and The ABCs of Self-Love. Melody is a mom of three who is devoted to knowing herself and empowering other women to know and honor themselves too. I mean, it's like Melody and I were just meant to be. (laughs) I'm inspired by her courage, and today we are going to explore how we've all shifted after the pandemic, especially as mothers, and how letting our intuition lead us from a place of authenticity and joy is now the driving force. I can't wait for you to hear from her today, and whenever you need a self-love, pick me up. Let's get started with Melody Godfred. Welcome, Melody. Thanks for taking the time to share your energy with me on the know. I couldn't be more excited. Thank you, Nikki. I feel exactly the same way. You know, I was going over our, like what we were going to talk about today. And, you know, I was reading through some of your book, The Shift last night. And like, there were just so many moments where I got teary eyed and I just, I can't wait to talk all about it today. So something that you said in the introduction of your book, The Shift, which is um, poetry for a new perspective, really struck me that after the pandemic, you were gifted with something you always wished for. And that wish was for clarity. And for a big block of my life, that was always my, my wish, like blowing out my birthday candles at 11, 11, shooting stars, pennies in the fountain, like all of it. I always wished for clarity. And I was like, oh my gosh, me too. When I saw your words, I've always longed for that. So first of all, I want to ask you how you came into this space, um, how, how you found clarity in your life as a result of the pandemic. You know, for me, I think it started a few years earlier you know, when I became a wife and a mother, I was also an entrepreneur. I was a lawyer. I was doing so many things. And I thought that the reward for doing all the things and checking off all the boxes was happiness. I think that was the messaging that was instilled in me from a very young age. I was a type A perfectionist overachiever. And 
I achieved the hell out of my life. And then I got to the top and realized I'd left myself behind. And so a few years before the pandemic, I had started this journey of self-discovery, not to earn anything or win anything, but to learn how to simply be myself and enjoy the life that I have and the person that I am. But going into the pandemic, I mean, even though I'd already been on what I call my self-love journey, I still was trying to be everything to everyone all the time. I still was living in this place of neither here nor there. I was very much still connected to my past and oh so fearful about my future because I think that's part of the world we live in is we want to make sure that we have safety. And for so long, I was sacrificing clarity for safety because I wasn't willing to be honest about what I actually needed in the moment because I would always choose safety instead. And then the pandemic happened and I realized, oh my God, I have no control over that. This illusion of safety that I thought I could so perfectly construct for myself didn't exist. And that was when my journey really began of how do I strip away everything I think I should be doing and instead simply be here and enjoy my life with gratitude and joy for what it is. How did those symptoms present, right? Like when we think about, because I can totally relate to everything you're saying and like my symptoms presented in a certain way, but how did your symptoms present in the sense that like when you talk about you chose safety over clarity, like what did that like specific things, like how, what did that look like for you? So for me, one big thing is that I never was willing to let anything go. So at one point going into the pandemic, I basically had three different jobs all at once. I had started a career counseling company in 2010 that I was still running. In 2015, I came up with the self-love pinky ring and started a self-love movement called Fred and Far and started selling this ring and this mission to women around the world of why not choose yourself and love yourself wear this ring as a symbol of your self-belonging. But I didn't stop the career counseling. I still did that. And I also then started writing books. So I initially wrote and self-published the ABCs of self-love, my self-love guidebook in 2018. So that was the third job. And mind you, during this whole period, I also had three children. I have two 10-year-olds, I have twin girls, And I also have a little boy, Teddy, who's five, who I think is almost the same age as your son. And so for me, security was, I'm never going to let anything go because I always wanted to have this safety net of, okay, when, when the rug is pulled out from under me, if one of these things fails, at least I have these other things going on. And that was also symptomatic of my relationships. I wasn't willing to let any relationships go. I held on to every friend I had ever made because... I thought that's what you're supposed to do. Like that's what makes you feel safe, loved, cared for is by surrounding yourself with as many people as possible. And when the pandemic hit, I let go of everything. I let go of two, you know, two of my businesses. I let go a lot of a lot of old toxic relationships that weren't serving me because like I said, I had this newfound clarity of who I am and what I need as a person on this planet in order to feel whole and joyful and instead of safe, um, trusting, which is a very different feeling. And it's really scary. Um, it's, it's like really scary to 
let go and trust. Like I totally have been there and I'm still there all the time, right? Like it, it doesn't, it's not like it just stops, right? Like I think we get better at handling it, but it doesn't go away. Like the fear is always going to show up in one way or another. Like we start, like life moves forward, like new situations present themselves all the time, you know? And so it's like a work in progress, at least for me it is. How are you able to like really step into that? Like, was there something that happened? Was there like something that clicked for you? Because I, I know for me, it was like when I started to get sober, like that was a really big turning point for me in my life, right? Where I started to really like take stock of what was going on and how I could handle it better. Was there something that happened that was specifically that like triggered this in you besides the pandemic? I think for me, most of my life, I thought my thoughts were absolute. Like I had, I didn't actually know that I had control over what they were. I have always been, I think it's maybe because when I was a baby, my parents escaped their country. Like I, my, the beginning of my life was traumatic. And so I think I've always been in this perpetual state of fight or flight. I have this deeply embedded vigilance. I'm always looking over my shoulder. And so my thoughts are always like, oh shit, like you're in trouble. And until I went to therapy in my early thirties, which in my culture was like very frowned upon, like nobody went to therapy. But when I was in my thirties, I finally went and my therapist was like, Hey, you know, you have a choice. Like you don't have to accept the first thought that comes into your mind. And that was a revolution for me and learning how to be mindful of what's going on in my mind and deciding at least in some cases that maybe I want to choose something a little kinder, a little healthier, a little more trusting, and just being aware of the loop that's going on. That for me was what really changed things. Because prior to that, I was at the mercy of my life because I was at the mercy of my thoughts. Oh my gosh. Like write that one down people, because like, that is so true. Like we let our mind govern us. Like mm -hmm. we believe the self-talk, that negative self-talk, right? Like we believe those, those stories about ourselves, you know, old stories, made up stories, stories that we create from nothing, you know, and, and we are, are enslaved to those thoughts. Like, and we prevent ourselves from like really, really expanding when we live in that box of our mind. Sometimes. Have you read the book, um, The Way of Integrity by Martha Beck? I have not, but I, I'm I, obsessed with this book. I talk, about it. I talk about it all the time. I'm actually thinking I'm going to do like a solo episode breaking the book down, but she like makes you spin it around. Like I will be the worst thing that ever happened to this issue, mm -hmm. right? So you could take trauma, right? This trauma was the worst thing that ever happened to me. And you can turn it around and say, I will be the worst thing that ever happened to this trauma. Mm -hmm. Especially like if you are in service, right? Like the way that you are, you are serving people with your book, right? You're helping people. When I read the shift, I feel like I am receiving the, the gift of your words and your experience. And I know that I'm not alone, right? Like that is an act of service. And so you are going to be the, it's like when you flip the script, I'm going to be the worst thing that ever happened to this trauma. You're beating the drum, the trauma. You're, you're, right? empowering. you're empowering yourself and others yeah. when you shift the perspective around it. And so, we can do that like with everything. But it's so hard sometimes. Like it's so hard. Like I wish 
the only way through is through, right? Like, like you have to go through it to get there. And like, I, I, I think that like I had to learn so many lessons over and over and over and over again, the same lesson to finally actually have the lesson embedded into me where I can say, okay, now I'm ready to change. And don't you feel like the pandemic kind of did that? Like it created this landscape for that change because I also agree. I had to learn my, like the same lessons so many times. And then when everything got stripped away, when the hamster wheel of our lives was dismantled, when the noise level got reduced, I finally had the space and the desire to go there and do the healing. And the shift for me is a journey of healing because I had previously written about self-love and my first poetry book, Self-Love Poetry for Thinkers and Feelers, is really an examination of what it means to love yourself. But the shift is about, well, what happens once you do? How can you transform your life when you lead with self-love? And what I really love about the book is it doesn't diminish the full spectrum of feelings we've all experienced. It addresses the anxiety, the pain, the fear, but it also opens the door to the expansion, the love, the joy, the gratitude. And what I'm trying to do now is, well, how do I continue to carry that forward, even though life is seemingly back to normal? How do I maintain that? And for me, that's why self-love and this kind of self-awareness is a daily practice. It's, it's like you said, it's a journey. You're never going to be able to check it off your list because that's not how your soul works. Your, your soul doesn't keep a productivity list. Your soul is ever expanding and evolving. And so that's really the difference is your ego keeps lists. Your soul doesn't even know what a list is. You know, when I think about like coming out of the pandemic, I I like to think that the world was changed, right? Like we bring this into what we think is back to normal, but I don't think we were, we're back to a new normal. I don't think we're back to the way, completely back to the way things were. I think that a lot of things are still the same. Like we're, we're able to have access to a lot of the similar things, but I think most people were changed Mm -hmm. in some capacity by the global shutdown. I agree. I mean, I got sober during the pandemic, like, and I don't think I would have if it wasn't for the pandemic. Like that really made me like, there was nowhere to hide in the pandemic. So I really had to face myself. And something I I wanted to talk to you about also, and like, as you mentioned it earlier about um, leaving toxic relationships or like just shedding, like kind of shedding them, right? Like maybe not necessarily leaving, but just letting them go, right? When you are on a healing journey, if there are dysfunctional relationships in your life, like that will blow those relationships up because like when there's dysfunction in a relationship and and that can be any type of relationship, one person is healing and the other person is staying the same and it's really comfortable to like come back to like the old way of things, right? And that for me has been really, really revealing because I, I realized I was, I was building a relationship with my higher power and the God of my understanding. And I know that I was changing and that I'm continuing to, continuing to change and it has affected my relationships. And so how, what was, what has been your experience with that? 
My experience has been that for the large part of my life, I was a giver and that was how I self-identified, how I developed worth was the more I give to others, the more worthy I am. And so whether it was giving to my parents, my siblings, my friends, the teachers around me, I was always the one who wanted to give, 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 because that allowed me to feel worthy and also kind of allowed me to avoid dealing with myself. And one thing that happened during the pandemic is I was like, you know, I discovered something that true generosity isn't just giving, it's also receiving. Yes. Yes. Right. Just so much. Yes. And I learned to be more generous, not just by giving, but by receiving. And once I had that mental shift, a few new friends came into my life Mm. who wanted to give to me. And I had never had that before. And once I got really emotional and I I'm emotional now, just thinking about it, I told my friend and I'm like, why are you, why are you giving to me? Like, what did I do to deserve that from you? And she's like, Oh my God, you deserve it so much. I want to give to you. It's a gift to give to you. And that strikes a chord for me because no one in my life had ever given me that. No one had ever made me feel like receiving was the gift. And that that happened during the last few years. And I don't know that it would have happened otherwise because I was so stuck in my pattern that until the world slowed, I don't know that I would have even been able to entertain a different way. And it's been one of the most fundamental gifts and changes that I've experienced in the past few years is, is learning to receive and seeing what comes into my life once I change in that way. It's so it's so wild that we're talking about this. I just hosted a good friend of mine. His name is George Ovaya. He was a fellow teacher. He was like my next door. He was in the classroom next door to me when I was a teacher. And I became really good friends with him and his wife. And we would have all these existential con- conversations. And I was like, when we come into this world, we don't deserve anything. And this is like 15 years ago, right? I'm like, we don't deserve anything. And that's because, you know, I believed that. I believed I didn't deserve anything because of how I was treated, because of the trauma I experienced, because of all the reasons in the world, right? That I, that were real and the ones that I made up that I didn't deserve. So I thought we just didn't deserve. And he and his wife would cry with me and say, you deserve so much. And I was like, no, I do not. I don't deserve anything. And we recently, like when I hosted him on the podcast just a couple of weeks ago, I was like, do you remember that? And we both wept like on the podcast, we had to edit it out because I do not feel that way anymore. And it's so liberating, you know, and I just want everybody everywhere, like everyone who listens to this show, anybody who follows your account, like in people who've read your book, like I want them to know that too. And like, that's what this whole show is about is like coming home to yourself. And that's what you're selling, right? Like, like when you're, you're selling a book and you're making money, but you're, what you're selling is, is, is the feeling of coming home to yourself. You're selling a pinky ring. No, you're not just selling a pinky ring. You're f- selling like the, the remembrance of home that is within you. And I think that's just that's so, so powerful melody. And I think that what you're doing is, is incredible. And the fact that you have the courage to put it out there in the world. I mean, it takes, it takes a lot of, it takes a lot of courage. And so I want to talk about 
the the poetry itself, the book itself, which I had to read in pockets because I would legit like cry reading your words. So I had to take breaks because it hit so close to home for me. This conversation is so good. But before we keep going, I want to take a minute to thank our sponsors, Sana Skin Studio. The best way for me to describe Sana is that it feels like coming home. Unlike traditional facials, Sana's facials are rooted in education, and I love this so much. Every experience I've had at Sana has been a chance to learn more about my skin and its needs. I love that the facials are effective while also being accessible enough to be a monthly ritual rather than a yearly splurge. I'm honored to be able to provide our audience with a promo code. Use the code THENOGLOW for $25 off of your first facial at Sana when booking via sanaskinstudio.com. Spring is in the air at Littleton Coin Company, and we want to help you brighten your collection. Visit us at littletoncoin.com all month long to enjoy 15% off your purchase. With a wide selection of coins, paper money, supplies, and more, Littleton Coin Company has something for every collector's taste. Use promo code SPRING at littletoncoin.com for 15% off your purchase all month long. Restrictions apply. Littleton Coin Company. Serving collectors since 1945. I want, to, I want to talk about more about like specifically what the shift is about. You know, I love how it's organized um, on like the one side of the page and the other side. So can you elaborate on that a little bit on your style? I first developed this dual poetry style in self-love poetry for thinkers and feelers. And in that book, the left side of every page catered to left brain thinkers and the right side catered to right brain feelers. And the themes were the same. So let's say it was a poem. This is in the, this is in the self-love, not the yeah, shift. Not okay. the shift. This was the first okay. book. But this is where I developed this idea. I figured I'm yeah. a person with a lot of duality. And oh, yeah. instead of trying to pick only one way, what if I embrace everything that I am? Mm. And so I created this dual style where one side spoke to one kind of person, one to the other. And like the logical, you- the emotional. Yes, exactly. So okay. the logical might be like one sentence where it feels like a gut punch, and you're like, "Oh, I felt that in my head." And then the other side will be this more lyrical, beautiful poem that you feel more intuitively. And so when it came time to write the shift, I still wanted to have a dual kind of experience, but this time it's before the shift and after the shift. I just get goosebumps. <laughs> I don't, I don't mean to interrupt you, but like you're talking and I have goosebumps. Oh, thank you. It means it. It, and that, that for me as a poet is everything because yeah. these poems all came from a very, very deep place. Like I said, I wrote them during the pandemic, especially as a mother and in marriage, like a lot of the poems relate to my just kind of fight to survive. And how do I shift my own perspective so that I can embrace my life, even though at times it felt like I was drowning. And so you'll see in a lot of the poems, the left side is the overworked, fearful, you know, you know, in pain, tight ball of a person. And then the after, once you felt all of that is more fluid, more expansive, more trusting, more loving. And sometimes the poems are only a sentence. You know, for example, there's a poem pair that the left side says, forcing it may get you what you want. And then the right side will say, but allowing it will get you what you need. I love that. I love that. that I can tell you how many things in my life I have forced. I like, I am like a, I am a force, right? (laughs) I am a force. 
I have also like forced a lot of things. Like I've made them happen. I have like really worked hard to make them happen. I don't know how many things I've actually just allowed to happen. You know, I'm trying to step more into that into my in my life now. And, this, and allowing, I think, is better alignment, right? When I think of the word allow, I feel alignment. Whereas yeah. when I was in the go-getter, let me force it, I I achieved a lot and I got a lot of things, but they weren't necessarily in alignment with my true self. And I feel like so much of my adulthood has been this unraveling of who I thought I was supposed to be and this acknowledgement of who I actually am. And the more I lean into that, the easier my life feels, like the less anxiety I have. When I was a lawyer, which is what I, the ultimate of what I thought I should be doing with my life, every night I would hallucinate for two hours. Like my anxiety was so intense, it would cause hallucinations. And I think that's another thing the pandemic taught me is I had spent the prior 10 years existing totally in my brain, sitting in front of a computer, not in my body at all. And what did I get from that? A thyroid condition. Like I literally started deteriorating because I was so out of my body. And then the pandemic hit and there was really nothing to do. So my family and I would get up and go for walks around the neighborhood. I'd never done that. We would walk every day. And that was like the highlight of our time. Just going outside, hearing the birds, which had gotten noticeably louder during that time period. We were in nature. We were with each other. We weren't on our devices. And I started to heal, like deeply heal. And I think it's because I couldn't hide in my mind anymore, which as I told you before, wasn't even the nicest place. You know, I like think a lot about the divine masculine and the divine feminine mm-hmm. and you know, masculine. And, and we all have both and I'm not, and both of them are like so important, right? For, pe- for people. But when you think of like masculine energy, it's act and do, right? And, and achieve and go. Um, where feminine energy is allowing and receiving and creating, right? And expanding and generating, right? We, we grow humans, like it's just all of it. And I have spent so much of my life in masculine energy that I literally like pushed the receipt, like you said, like receiving, I pushed it away, you know, and I'm entering a chapter of my life personally where I'm like, oh my gosh, I'm ready to just receive everything. Like I want, I want it all. I want every drop of life. I just, I want to receive it. And that's not to say that I don't have boundaries. Like, yes, we need to create boundaries because we actually don't want all of the things, (laughs) But, (laughs) but like all the goodness that I might not have allowed myself to have, like I'm welcoming it because I want to, I want to be in, in my feminine nature. Like I want to be in that. And I used to be ashamed of that. Yeah. Because it was, we were sold this message that to be a modern woman, you have to have it all, all the time and do it all and be it all. And I think it was a great disservice not to remind all of us that like life doesn't need to be so linear. Not everything needs to happen on a specific timeline. We don't need to just go, 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 just to try to get ahead. And that you can let your life unfold in the way that is authentic to you. And that might mean you have a few different seasons in your life. Like there could be a slow season. Not every season needs to be, you know, a fast one. And that was, 
that was really eye-opening for me because I thought that the only way for me to be in control and feel safe and to be accomplished is to constantly be in go mode. And that wreaked havoc, not only on my health, but also on my relationship. Like there was no room for my husband in that equation because I wanted to micromanage everything and be in control and do it all. And even if he wanted to give to me, he couldn't because I wouldn't receive what he had to offer because he did it exactly the way I wanted or because I didn't trust that he would get it right. A guy once said to me, oh, all women want is just to be taken care of and like provided for. And, I th- and he was suggesting financially, you know, and I was like, no, like to prove a point, I was like, that's not true. No, I can take care of myself. Like, I don't need a man, right? Like I was like, oh, I don't need you, <laughs> right? And then I realized that I became so much of that, that it was beyond financial. It was like, I didn't allow anybody to emotionally take care of me or just love on me or just, you know, be... I just closed the doors for receiving anything in a lot of my relationships, you know, and that had a negative impact on my life for sure. And now I'm like, I think to myself, as a 35 year old grown woman with three kids, I'm like, yes, I want to be taken care of. No, yes, yes, please take care of me. Someone take care of me. I'm like open to being taken care of now. Like, and I'm so happy and I'm so much more, I'm so much happier. Like it's very vulnerable to ask someone to care for you in the way that feels good to you. Yeah. And that is something I'm just now learning. So I was talking about that space. Yeah. Because there was always this risk of like being perceived as needy or not getting it. Yeah. And yeah. what message does that send when you actually tell somebody what you need and they're like, yeah, no. I'm not and then you have to deal with like the worthiness, like, oh, am I not worthy of it? And uh, and that goes into its own downward spiral. So you have to get really vulnerable. It's a very vulnerable place to be. But when you when it comes into alignment, it can feel like safety and home. And, and I think that's man, man, that's priceless. And it can happen so quickly because I was feeling a little bit invisible yesterday with my husband I, and just feeling like he's really good at taking care of his needs, but like maybe isn't taking care of mine. And I told him this morning, I'm like, you know, for me to feel cared for, you have to ask me questions. You have to care about what's going on with me because he's a sharer. Like he'll come home and tell me all about work. I'm not like that. I'm not going to sit and tell you about myself unless you invite me to the table. And it was awkward because yesterday was an awkward day. And then today, after I told him that an hour later, he goes, good luck on your podcast today. Please send it to me when the recording's available. And I know you did one a month ago. Can you send that to me so I can listen to it? And I was like, wow, like you heard me and you're giving it to me. And all I do was tell you what I needed, you know, but it's easy. Like yesterday, if you had asked me, I would have been like, ugh. Like I, there's no fixing this. There's no fixing the way I feel. And all it took was me sitting with myself, figuring out what it was I needed and having the courage to express it, get it. And I think it's what you said. Like we all went down this path of, I don't need a man. I don't need anybody. And what ends up happening is when you, when you do that and you're, you're closed off to receiving people do stop giving, even if they would have been inclined to give to you before, because there is no opening for that. 
And I talk about that a lot in The Shift. A lot of the poems are about relinquishing that need for absolute perfection and control and momentum and realizing that the greatest momentum sometimes is in stillness and self-reflection and allowing and receiving. I really want to share one of my favorite poems, my pair of poems with everybody and um, also with you because I want you to know what, what really hit for me. So um, this is, it was actually one of the ones that's in the beginning, but it really just got me. (laughs) So you wrote, I sunk down onto the floor, dropped lower and swam among the fish of darkness. Is this low enough? Am I small enough? Now will you finally catch me? And then we have the shift. Head adorned with stars, body wrapped in clouds, my heart a universe, open to being explored as long as you're willing to reach my orbit. I mean, wow. Like, so, you know, I, I'm like in this space of like, I'm not going to play small anymore. And I know that, you know, I try not to over talk it, but I know that when I talk about it, like I, it resonates with other women who are also trying to overcome, you know, being small. Like they don't want to be, people don't want to be small. Like I don't want to be small anymore. Like I felt like I was caging myself. So this poem really hit me because I'm like, if I'm small enough, will you like me now? Yeah. If I'm small enough, will I be good enough? And that's, that's what I took from this. And I want to, you know, your experience with that. I think like for me, it started the first time I, I had a crush on someone or I wanted to get someone's attention or was dating someone. And I felt like I had to keep making myself more, you know, attractive. And by attractive, I mean, less opinionated or Mm. more quiet or, you know what I mean? Less demanding. And that feeling like I got teary hearing you read it because I think I felt you. And it's like this deep feeling of like, am I small enough yet? Like, will you choose me now? Finally? Like, did I strip away enough to make it so that you want me now? And it, it's weird to cry at your own work, but it's all so rooted in these really deep feelings. And um, the second poem is about, no, I am this celestial, beautiful being, and you can meet me here. Like, yeah. I'm not going to go down there anymore. If, you ever, if you're ever not sure if your work hits... I just want you to know, Melody, that it does, you know, and I think about that a lot with myself and the work that I do with this podcast. You know, I used to think like, who am I to have a voice? Who am I to have this podcast? Like, who do I think I am? Right. And that's part of the smallness, like me keeping myself small to make myself comfortable because the smallness as messed up as it is became comfortable. Mm -hmm. Right. Like who am I to have this voice? But if it hits for one person, Girlfriend, I feel like we have done something right, <laughs> you know, and that's what it's, yeah. that's what it's really about. And I, I just, I'm so grateful. No, for I'm grateful for you. I mean, that is what, how I define purpose is yeah. what were you put on this planet to do? And that is ultimately an act of service. Like what is so unique to you that you can gift to the world? And for me, it's been feeling things very deeply ever since I was young and being able to express it through words in a way that makes other people feel seen and witnessed and celebrated. 
And so that's why I write because it is my highest power is to make people feel like they are seen and understood. I feel like we're kindred spirits. I feel like we're like, we were supposed to meet. I really do. And it's, it's so beautiful and it's so powerful when we can help other people feel seen and heard and understood. And I think, you know, that's like a large part of what people crave is like a sense of community and a sense of belonging. And I think, you know, when you're talking about your life purpose, I think that we can have different life purposes at any given time. We can have more than one life purpose, you know, and we can also, we, I reserve the right to change what I believe my life purpose is. And, and I've been going through that lately because I stopped selling the self-love pinky ring mm. and Interesting. After, after like six years for the same reason I said earlier, like I need, I have clarity now on what I need and my security doesn't come from doing it all. And mm. running a, a business like an e-commerce jewelry business is a huge business undertaking, even if it is a mission driven company. And I was doing it all on my own while raising the kids, while signing a publishing deal with a publisher and, and putting three books out in a year. And when I asked myself, like, what is, what is the truth about how I want to spend my time? It was no longer like calling FedEx to ask them like where are packages, which yeah, is what right. I'm doing. And it's really hard because it has meant not saying yes to people because people message me every day and they're like, what happened? I want a ring. And the person in me who wants to empower everyone and make everyone feel good wants to be like, well, let me make an exception and just do it for them. But mm -hmm. I've been honoring the boundary and really shifting how I think about boundaries. And instead of it being a no to them, it's a yes to me. And the oh, yes wow. to me is what allows me to focus on my writing and being a poet. And when I think about where I want to be in at 50, like, that's what I want to be doing. I don't want to be like a e-commerce entrepreneur, even if what I was selling was so much bigger than just the tangible item that it came packaged in. And Absolutely. I think we all have to have those moments. Like, what are you willing to say no to, to get what you actually want? Because we think of getting what we want in terms of a ladder of yes. Like, I'm going to say yes to this. I'm going to say yes to that. I'm going to keep doing it. I'm going to do it. I'm going to do it. And for me, Part of being in my divine feminine, part of being in this trusting, soul-driven part of my life is not the yeses. It's actually very much about the no's. Mm. What am I willing to say no to? Yes. And, and for me, the big yes right now is sharing my poetry. Like that for me is where my yes lives. I love this for you. It feels really, feels very natural and good, um, although a little bittersweet still because- yeah. You know, and that's okay. the world, like are my sisterhood now, and we have this common emblem and this common mission. But what I'm hoping is that those women will transition over with me through yeah. this exploration of how we define that moment of choosing yourself. And instead of it being putting a ring on your finger, it's creating this daily ritual of reading maybe one or two poems, keeping yeah. it by your bedside and letting that be the foundation for how you move through your life. But one of the things that we spoke about over the phone, I mean, 
forever ago, right? Um, and I don't, I don't want to make this a man versus woman thing, right? For the people out there that it's like, oh, it has to be a man versus woman. But this hit for me when you said this, and I know that I cannot be the only person. And you said, you know, if a man proclaims his dreams and goals, he is praised and encouraged. Mm-hmm. What is the message when a wo- girl or a woman does this? You know, yeah. and we kind of left it open ended because I like there are different answers to that, you know, but I like it's societal. It's a societal thing. And as much as I don't want it to be a man versus woman thing, it's something that we've grown up, you know, trained to believe. So it takes a lot of untraining, right. To come to a space where we can feel peace with our answer, whatever that answer may be. So when you said that, you know, take a moment to think about it, but like, what is the message when a girl or woman does this, when she proclaims her dreams and goals most often? I I think it's complicated. You know, I was a career counselor for a very long time. And a lot of the messaging women were getting as they were trying to progress in their careers is like, well, how are you going to balance this? There is this message that like, as a woman, you have to be really practical about what you go after. And a lot of that was societal. A lot of it is like this internal narrative because we hold ourselves to this like profoundly high standard. And if we don't feel like we're worthy of an opportunity, we're not going to go after it. And so I think what needs to shift in how we talk to girls and how we teach them to talk to themselves is that you are not untapped potential. You are not unfulfilled. You are not this cup that needs to be filled up with something before you're worthy of taking a drink, giving them this idea that they are so whole already within themselves that they truly can create the life and world around them that feels right to them. And there is nothing selfish or arrogant or bossy or rude about proclaiming it to the world and sharing who they are and what they want. You know, one of the things I write in my book is that self-sacrifice is not feminine. And that is something I'm trying to really teach. Oh my gosh. This just like, whoa. Yes. You know, it's like, Melody, it's like, you're saying things that I know in my brain, but you're putting them into the words. Like, I'm like, I know, I know it's like tickling my brain. And I'm like, I know how to, I know what I want to say, but I don't know how to say it. And you, you say it. And I, I think martyring ourselves is, has got to stop. Like we have to stop sacrificing ourselves because we think that's what a woman does or that's what femininity is. For me, femininity is everything that we just talked about during this podcast. It's having the courage to shift your perspective. It's having the self-awareness to build a life that aligns with your needs. It's allowing instead of forcing and trusting instead of fearing. Like these for me are the hallmarks of femininity because one thing we have is we have deep intuition Mm -hmm. and that Mission is so connected to the universe that it will tell you what is right. Yeah. If you're brave enough to listen and you're careful enough not to get distracted by your to-do list, your social media, like all the things that fill ourselves, fill us up, that don't allow us to create space for that inner voice, that inner knowing, 
that can guide us if we allow it. And that's where I've been trying to operate from is what does my intuition want me to do? What does my intuition know is right for me? And how can I be brave enough to go there and trust it? I hope, you know, like, and I hope specifically with this podcast episode, but as a whole with what each of us as individuals are doing is that we can inspire more women to really self-reflect and step into this sense of deep inner knowing within themselves so they can feel at peace, you know, and, and experience the joy that comes with that. I think you said two most important words, which for me are peace and joy. Yeah. And the third would be authenticity. But when I, you know, when I go into school and I talk to my uh, kids, teachers, I'm like, you know, other parents might want their kids to get A's. Like Mm -hmm. my barometer for them is authenticity and joy. Are they being authentic and are they joyful? And now you gave me the third and I'm going to add, are they at peace? Because that for me is the highest indication of how we're thriving on this planet is, are we being ourselves? Are we joyful? And do we have peace? And my hope is that by reading the shift, people are able to give themselves peace because I do think so much of it is just a matter of shifting your mindset, your lifestyle, making these little changes without having to actually change the anything about your life in a big picture way. It's about how are you present in your life and how do you make your life work for you? Well, Melody, I am so very grateful that we had this conversation today. Ladies and gentlemen, you, you gotta pass this along. You have to share this with your people because it is just, there's so many mind blowing gems that Melody just dropped today. And you guys, Melody Gottfried, thank you so much. Thank you so much, Nikki. I hope we get to do it again. See how our shifts are working out. Totally. This podcast was brought to you by Sana Skin Studio. Be sure to use my code, the no glow, for $25 off of your first facial at Sana when booking via sanaskinstudio.com. More than a skin studio, Sana is a movement towards healthier skin and self-love. Thank you so much for listening to The Know. If you loved this episode, go ahead and share it with a friend. Words are so powerful and someone may need to hear what we covered today. And if you really loved this episode, please take a moment to rate the show and leave a review. Your comments are so important and valued and they give other listeners insight on what to expect on The Know. You can connect with me personally via Instagram at Nikki Sap Spo and The Know with Nikki Spo. My hope for you today is that you are fearless in looking inward so that you can be your highest, most authentic self and go after the life of your dreams. Spring is in the air at Littleton Coin Company, and we want to help you brighten your collection. Visit us at littletoncoin.com all month long to enjoy 15% off your purchase. With a wide selection of coins, paper money, supplies, and more, Littleton Coin Company has something for every collector's taste. Use promo code SPRING at littletoncoin.com for 15% off your purchase all month long. Restrictions apply. Littleton Coin Company. Serving collectors since 1945. 
Introducing Wondersuite from Bluehost.com, the tool that makes WordPress wonderful for everyone. Website creation is hard, but now with Bluehost, you can answer a few simple questions about your business and goals, and the Wondersuite tools will automatically lay out your WordPress website or store in minutes. Seriously. From there, you can customize your design, pick your brand colors, and add blocks. No custom theme or coding required. You'll get content suggestions that you can keep or revise. And with Yoast SEO built in, we automatically help you get found in search engines. From step-by-step guidance to suggested plugins to an AI-powered help bot, our built-in tools make WordPress wonderful for everyone. Whether you're a beginner or a pro, you can join over 2 million Bluehost users. Go to bluehost.com wondersuite. That's bluehost.com wondersuite.